It's hot in the sun. Yes, it's a little bit warm in here. And I thought about that because I thought, oh, it was so hot last time or two times ago. And so I wore my t-shirt today. You look so good in your t-shirt. Thanks. Your low tide t-shirt. It's a great color on you. Oh, thanks. I like blue. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> you know what I did? What? I replaced my broken umbrella. <gasps> I was going to buy you one. Were you? Yep. And then I thought... She gonna buy one herself. And umbrellas are personal. I I did, and I bought one that is turquoise. Oh, like a teal turquoise. Uh, it's so pretty. Ah, uh, did you get it at Walgreens? Uh, no, I got it on Amazon. Oh, because I had to buy something else. But I got to save that story for you for later. I'm excited. It's hilarious. Walgreens has great umbrellas. <laughs> they always do. You're I don't right. Understand why? Because people just run in there on a rainy day. I guess, but you'd think they'd put cheap-ass umbrellas in there and get people caught off guard. (laughs) Well, you just went really antebellum. (laughs) (laughs) With you, the sun is shining 24-7. Cause when we're together, it feels like we're in heaven. If it will get dark, you'll be my million stars. I know I can lean on you. Welcome to episode 14 of Delete This History, a podcast by two besties of a certain age searching for answers. We're your host, Kara Birch. And Bria Brown. Hi. Hello. Uh, how was your week? What'd you do this week? Oh, well, we've got some family stuff going on, so we were pretty busy with that. But to kind of relieve some of that stress, we went and saw Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> A very stressful movie. I was going to say, <laughs> so stress relieving. Um, I do recommend this movie. So you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Even though there was some criticism about it and you've read the book. So sometimes that. So here's where I think your criticism is co- coming from. I was impressed with how they took this book, the way it's written, yes, and turned it into a screenplay right. because it would be hard. I know. That's what I've been thinking the whole time I'm reading yes. it. I thought they did a good job because I was thinking about the book the whole time I was watching mm-hmm. this. I would recommend that you watch it at home because it is so long. There's yes. no reason to see this on the big screen other right. than to support the movie industry and keep your local theaters open. Right. Because I've been kind of worried about... Whether I'm going to like the movie or not. The book is better. Yeah. um, Because, you know, you get so much detail in Mm -hmm. the book. Anyway, I thought it was good. Um, I was visited by my mother-in-law last weekend. Oh, yeah. And we had a really good time. Mm -hmm. We ordered pizza and played games. Mm -hmm. And then she stayed the night at Caleb's house. And um, what did we play? We played... A trivia game first, because she loves trivia. Mm -hmm. So we played that same trivia game we played when we were down there. (laughs) I should have known that. (laughs) And it was really fun. And then uh, we also played kind of like an apples to apples game, kind of like a cards against humanity game. Uh It's called Kids Against Maturity. Okay. Well, somehow, OnlyFans came up. And Clint... And Caleb were making fun of us, you and me, for not knowing what OnlyFans was. Uh And Clint was like, that was one of the funniest things on the podcast was that they didn't know what OnlyFans was and blah, blah, blah. So Delva, of course, she's like, what? What? What What are you saying? 
Holy fans? What's holy fans? (laughs) (laughs) So we decided that holy fans is where you watch people pray. Oh, (laughs) like extreme praying? Yeah, like extreme praying. And then later, she was like, what's that thing you all were talking about earlier? Oldie fans? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Coming up with new, new concepts. Oh, my gosh. We're like, oh, oldie fans. Now that's a real twist. (laughs) Just keep saying it over and over. We'll see what different different types of websites. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh! And so that was that was oh, classic. That was oh. classic Delba. She she always gives us some good ones. Good times. She and Clint were on the same trivia team, which never goes well because they're both just yellers out. Like they don't confer with each other, and it's like, well, is that your answer? Well, I guess so. And then it ends up not being right, and then they <laughs> fight about it. I can relate to the shouting out because I get really worked up with yeah, trivia. Like, yeah, I just. <laughs> So that was really interesting. That's funny. We creamed our butts. Um, um, it was Peyton, Caleb, Quinn, and me on a team. Yeah, how unfair is that? It's pretty unfair. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Michaela, Clint, Delba, and Jackie on a team. Oh, okay. So they had four adults. We had two adults, a teenager, <laughs> and a five-year-old. We still beat them. Just saying. That's hilarious. Just saying. I try not oh, to smack talk Clint too much. Clint doesn't like to lose. He really does not. We played to like a certain you know score, and she she said, "Let's play again." He was like, "Let's not." <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Oh my gosh! Also, this week I got new lenses in my glasses. I didn't get new frames. I just Mm -hmm. said, put the new lenses in here. So I had to go there. She's like, are you going to hang out? Are you going to go and then come back? I said, I cannot see your face. What? Right now without these glasses on. What in the world? I will will be hanging out. (laughs) And it'll be a miracle if I can walk from here to the waiting area without doing myself an injury. So anyway, (laughs) I waited. And they took about a half hour. And she said, you know, put them on. Do they feel okay? I'm like, yeah, they feel fine. Well, then as the days went on after that, they were just so loose. They were like falling off my face. Then I got to thinking, all they're going to do when I go in to have them adjusted, all they're going to do is use a heat gun to make the plastic ear thingies like softer. Mm -hmm. And they're going to bend them and mold them to my ears a little bit better so that they don't slip down my face. I was like, I have a heat gun. So. Your hair dryer? <laughs> no. I have an actual like heat gun like for crafting. Oh, man. Like a high high heat gun. So um, I've used it two times now, including <laughs> the eyeglasses thing. So I went into my bathroom and I turned on the heat gun and I'm, yeah. but I can't see without my glasses on, right? Oh, no. And I'm holding my glasses because I'm fixing the ear pieces. And I'm bending them and I'm like, okay, that looks about right. That looks like it'll be nice and tight. And I go to put them on and they're still hot. Like, like, girl, I couldn't believe how hot they were. And so I was like, oh, ow. And like, I burnt the (gasps) tops of my ears. Oh my God. 
gosh. So I took them off and I was like, oh, ow, that, that's really still very hot. And so I went to touch them, like to keep testing. And then that's when I noticed I had burnt <laughs> the top of these ears. <laughs> you gotta look at it. I totally see. melted <gasps> my oh, earpieces. Oh my, oh no, is that gonna irritate your head? That would, oh my gosh, you did it on both of them. Because <laughs> I couldn't see what was happening. Uh, so I, they come off, they pull off. And so I, I ordered some new oh, ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> on the Zon. <laughs> oh I ordered some new ones and they should be arriving today. I can do this myself. I don't need to go to the doctor. <laughs> Famous last words. That's I can hilarious. do this myself. Hold my beer. Well, but the question uh, is, did you fix them? Yeah. Okay. So you, you fixed them. You're going to replace the earpieces. It'll be fine. But a bit. As soon as it happened, though, I was like, oh, my. <laughs> this is a story. <laughs> this is so typical me. Oh, my gosh. I can do this. Oh my anyway, gosh. good times. I cried in my car this week. Oh, no. Why? I started listening to a new-to-me podcast. Oh, no. What was it? Mobituaries. Oh, no. Have you listened to that? Yes. With Mo Rocca? Yes. It's so good. I have, I've been wanting to listen to it for a long time. I have cried many times listening to mo Mobituaries. <sighs> the yeah. latest one, he talks to Candace Bergen about her dad. No idea that she had a famous dad. Are you kidding? I had no idea. Oh, my gosh. Mm -mm. It was so good. The episode was so good. But then Candace started crying. Oh, no. And I love Candace Bergen. Yes. Like, deep in my soul. And once she started crying, I was like, oh, crap. Because she seems pretty tough, too. Yeah. Like, And she was surprised. She was like, I cannot believe I am getting emotional about this. <gasps> I cried. That I would cried make me cry. so much. If... If you you should listen to that episode if you're interested in it. It's incredibly interesting. If I'm interested in a big old boohoo, I don't think you'll cry that much. Oh, okay. 3 episodes ago, that episode was called Things I Wish Would Die. And so he listed like 3 things that he wished would go away. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> that was not a tearjerker. That what, one was funny. What are 3 things you wish would go away? Oh. Ooh, I'd have to think about that. I Maybe think just one thing. One thing I wish would go away is ultra loud trucks. Yes. Oh. I don't know why, but they annoy me. Oh, I, I can't stand them. I don't know why they bother me, but they just do. I think I can come up with three things super easy. Okay, you. Because I'm such a complainer. Go ahead. I'll th I'm going to think about it. Okay, motorcycles. Yeah. The Electoral College. Oh, yeah. One vote for me there. Electoral <laughs> and, College. And um, oh, no I'm going to pick Daylight Saving Time. Oh, yes. That has to go. There you go. There's three. Okay. Kara, I think we should move on okay. to sharing our internet search I think that histories. that is a great idea. We do that in the reading of the lists. Here we go. Okay. You get to go first. It's even Steven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Episode 14. Here's my list. Number one, The American Buffalo by Ken Burns. 
Number two, Keith Hernandez. Number three, how did pork butt get its name? Number four, what is a blue iceberg? And number five, why do squirrels flick their tails so much? Okay. Uh, my searches this week, my list is, oh, hang on a minute. I got to remember how to say this. Paridolia, the amazing digital circus slash jacks, origin of the word chivalry, diaspora, original criminologists slash bertillonage. Ooh. Wee wee ha ha. Wee wee ha ha. Get to break out the old French. All right. Well, I think we should play a game now. Okay. Um, is it? I should have known that. I should have known that. No. Is it Kids Against Maturity? Mm-mm. What game are we gonna play? We're gonna play Search, Search Me. This is where we each pose one question to each other and see if she can answer based only on the reading of the lists. So, Bria. What do I get to play for? You're going to get to play for your birthday present. So if I don't get it, I don't get my birthday present? No, you don't get your birthday oh, present. Oh, crap. Actually, high stakes. I probably will give it to you because it's perishable. Oh. Partly perishable. All that's, right. That's good. That's yeah, a yeah. good sign. It is. Okay. <clears throat> my question is. You know what I like. Yes, I do. Because I almost didn't give it to you after I got it. I was like, hmm. My question for you is, which of my searches originated from watching an old episode of Seinfeld? Oh, crap. I need to find your searches. Old lady can't find her phone. <laughs> Put it down. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay. Oh, I know this one. Even though, you know, Seinfeld was not my favorite sitcom. Right. And I don't get a lot of the references that you and Laura make to Seinfeld yes. because I j well, I don't get references, period. It's true. I'm I'm terrible You're about not references. Big on that. But I know this is Keith Hernandez. That is correct. First of all, when you read that, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> okay, so tell me about so Keith Hernandez. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Keith Hernandez first because I don't really know that much about well, him. Well, he did have a rockin' mustache. Absolutely, he did. Oh, my. He was born in 1953 in San Francisco. Oh, he's older than I thought. Yes. He, 70 years old now. Get out of here. Mm -mm. No, I'm not kidding. Left-handed first baseman. Mm -hmm. This is how little I watch baseball. He played for the Cardinals for years. I had no idea. I had no idea. He was drafted by the Cardinals. He started his career oh, with them. No idea I know. either. 71 to 83. Look, we weren't even born for a while there. Yeah. And then we were just whippersnappers. Oh, yeah. I thought he was only a Mets player. That's how young I was. Right. So 71 to 83 Cardinals, Mets, 83 to 89. And then he moved to Cleveland for his last year of playing baseball before he retired. I bet that was a real good time. Fast fact. Mm -hmm. Did you know that the Cleveland Indians have changed their name? Well, that makes sense because the Washington football team had to change their name. Yes. And I'm waiting for the Chiefs to have to change their name. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. What are the Cleveland or what's the Cleveland baseball team now? They are now the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians of the Galaxy? 
know what? I didn't search that. But that was at the beginning of the 2022 season. It kicked in. I am so out of touch with baseball. Me too. It bores me to death. I I don't have a problem with it, but yeah, it's not. It's just not exciting. Just you know, I'll go to uh, the minor league team mm-hmm. games that we have here locally, and that's fun because you're there mm-hmm. at the park, and it's a different experience. But most of the time, I'm not even really watching the game. Mm-hmm. I'm people watching. Oh, and I'm dancing to "Blister in the Sun." Correct, but. I used to love baseball. Oh, yeah. When I was younger. Yeah, I was a big Cubs fan. Oh, that's right. I knew that. I was a huge Cubs fan. I knew that. And I used to watch WGN. And my dad was, he was scouted for the Yankees, I think, when he was in high school. What? Yeah. (gasps) I didn't know that. So he was a big baseball fan. Oh, my goodness. So we would watch baseball together. Aww. And, I mean, he wasn't a Cubs fan. Yeah, necessarily, because he was a Tigers fan and then a Reds fan. And but I was always a big Cubs fan. Okay, And kind of like you're a Green Bay fan. It doesn't make sense. It's like, how did that happen? Oh, I can tell you how that happened. Oh, tell me. It was a boy. Of course. So he was a Green Bay fan. And I really wasn't into football. This Mm -hmm. is in high school. Mm hmm. And so we were friendly for a while. Mm -hmm. And so that included watching Green Bay football games i see then i started learning how football worked and i was like this is fun yes so then i got myself a little side job at the school being their statistician so i was you know i worked on the sidelines in high school like counting yards and things like that um and then i just dumped the boy and kept the football Excellent so choice. I, I kept watching Green Bay and just, I just liked the history of that mm-hmm. team and that's mm-hmm. owned by the fans. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how I got into. That's how I kind of was with the Cubs too. I liked that it was one of the original teams. Mm-hmm. It had, you know, a cool stadium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was just, I just loved that they had pretty much their own, their own station. Yeah. Devoted to them too. Okay. And I could watch them whenever I wanted. And. I loved Ryan Sandberg <laughs> and Mark Grace. Those were my first crushes ever, I think. Aww. Except Kenny Rogers, of course. Of course. Um, and anyway, I don't know where we're going with this, but I just don't watch baseball anymore. Yes. Like, I just got out of the habit of watching it. Yeah, yeah. And then I tried again, but after watching football... It's slow. Oh, gosh. Now, I will say, they've changed some of the rules, so it's a little bit faster now. Oh, good. Um, like there's a pitching clock or a there's a clock involved now. Oh. And oh no no it's not pitching it's um it's for the batter. Oh you yes. You can't be out of the box. I don't know. Yeah. You can't be out of the box for you so long. You can't keep going out of the box and yeah. swinging and yeah and taking your time and yeah. There's a clock involved somehow. Don't come at me, people. I don't watch baseball. That I don't know what the rules idea, are. That is a great idea, though. But it has sped up a little bit. Yes. I, my grandpa mm-hmm. liked to listen to the games on this old-timey radio mm-hmm. um, while he was falling asleep. So if I ever hear baseball, like commentators, yeah, I start to get, like, it's so relaxing and soothing. And then I start to kind of get sleepy because we spent so much time at their house. Yeah, We had to, when it was bedtime... You just heard the radio because he was always listening to Cardinals games uh-huh. or 
Um, so I have this very nostalgic memory tied to baseball, mm-hmm. but I just can't stick with it. It's so boring. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Like, oh. Sorry, baseball. Anyway. Okay. Okay, so Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. So he earned 11 consecutive Golden Glove Awards during his 17 seasons. And he won two World Series, one with the Cards, one with the Mets. After retirement, he had back surgery and rehabilitation, because I guess it was really messed up from baseball. And then he started working as a Mets broadcaster, a commercial spokesman, and then he appeared as a guest on Seinfeld. Mm. So this is where my search comes in. I was watching this episode, and I guess I missed the first part of it because I couldn't remember how he and Jerry met on this episode. How did they run into each other? And so I looked that up, and that led me to this article that was written in August of this year. Do you remember the Vulture magazine? Like, it's it's all about, like, the movie industry and pop culture and all that. Yeah. They have a series that they call Roll Call, and they interview actors about performances that they've probably forgotten, like have been years and years ago. So they interviewed Keith Hernandez just a few months ago about his role on Seinfeld. So it's like super current information. (laughs) It's the funniest thing. How lucky for you. I know. So he said this was, and I'd forgotten this, but this was an hour-long episode. And they used it during a sweeps period. And then this was also the same episode with the Magic Loogie. Do you remember that? No. So JFK was a popular movie at the time. Yes. (laughs) I do remember back into the left. Back into the left. (laughs) See, I do remember some references. Kramer Kramer always sticks in my head. Yes, because... He and Newman thought Keith Hernandez spit on them after they called him Pretty Boy. That's right. So that was, oh my gosh, this episode is classic. Yeah, it is a classic. So the actual spitter, spoiler alert, folks, if you haven't seen this episode, get with the game. Get with the ball game. Oh, right. The actual spitter was Roger McDowell, who was a Mets player. He played with (laughs) Keith Hernandez. (laughs) They flew him out for like Four seconds of film so he could be the spitter. The loogie spitter. Down the gravelly road. <laughs> like the grassy knoll. Oh, my gosh. So he was also in the Seinfeld finale when they brought back all of yes. the guest stars to testify mm-hmm. at their trial. Mm-hmm. Now, he said in this article on Vulture that he had several lines, but they got cut for time. But he said... It took a week to shoot this finale. And so he sat in a courtroom, um, you know, on set with um, Wayne Knight, which played Newman. Right. And John O'Hurley, who yes. played Peterman. Uh-huh. Peterman. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Yes. Peterman. And he said they had the best time oh my just gosh. yucking it up between cuts. Talking Those about three baseball. in the gallery. Yes. Good grief. But. Talk about a peanut gallery. Here's the thing that sucks. What? His back got totally messed up sitting in these wooden courtroom chairs. Oh, no. And so he ended up having to stay an extra week in L.A. just so his cal- his back would calm down and he could fly home to New York. That sucks. And so then once he got back to New York, he said it took like three more weeks for his back to like get straightened out. Those chairs messed it up so bad. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? 
Oh my so gosh. He really took one for the team. He did. He did. <laughs> See what you did there. I also saw on Twitter that he had another back surgery in 2019. Oh man. I know. He had never heard of Seinfeld when they called him and asked him to do the original episode. And the person who interviewed him was like, how is that possible? And he was like, I was playing baseball. Yeah. I, our games are at night. Their schedules are grueling. So we never watch mm-hmm. primetime television, which, you know, back in the day, no one watches primetime television <laughs> now. <laughs> well, it's unless, all primetime television. Well, that's true. You're right. <laughs> so then they asked him, okay, well, after you retired and you were on Seinfeld, did you watch it? And he said, heck no, I was living in Manhattan. He said, finally, finally, I had retired and I could do stuff at night. I could go eat with people. I could go see movies. I could go see Broadway shows. Yeah. So he said, I did not stay home and watch television in my retirement because I was living in New York and I wanted to get really involved with all the good food and the people. And Good for him. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Yeah. He did say that he watched the finale because he saw the whole filming of the entire thing. Yeah. So he wanted to see it once it was edited and, you know, yeah. put together. So he said he did watch that. Found my information on baseballreference.com, Wikipedia, and then, of course, The Vulture. Right. The interviewer was Devin Ivey. Nice job, Devin. Yeah, it was a really good interview. I enjoyed it. So what do I win? Okay, do you want to open your present? Well, yeah, I'm going to have <gasps> to because it's my Search Me yeah, prize. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's your card. You've got a card. It's a handmade Kara card. Now, I will admit, I put the stickers on it, but that card was made by somebody who makes cards and gives them to me every Christmas as gifts. Well, this is a beautiful card. She makes amazing cards. With some embossing. Yeah. Ooh, an Etsy gift card. (laughs) I'm not going to read this out loud on a mic because it'll make everybody cry. But it says, every year knowing you is a very good year. Yes. Happy birthday. And then this is your perishable part of your gift that you don't have to share with anybody at all. I'm glad I don't because I won't. Oh, my. There's so many things in here. (laughs) Bonbons, candy house. Are these truffles? They're truffles. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Truffles. Oh, my gosh. Chocolate-covered pumpkin spice malt balls. Do you like malt balls? I used to. I haven't had them in a long time, so I probably will. Well, they're, ch- they're pumpkin spice. They're pumpkin spice. New York espresso beans. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's something else in here. And chocolate bridge mix. Bria has never had bridge mix before. Yes. I'm going to get to have bridge mix. That's the one that I almost didn't put in your bag because I was like, oh, bridge and mix. All of these have such pretty little bows and they're all packaged so pretty. The truffles were supposed to be bonbons. I told her I wanted a box of bonbons and she gave me truffles and I got home and I was mad. You know what? I'm going to eat them. I know you will. They're still delicious. They're going to be amazing. I like bonbons better than the truffles, though. I had a bonbon by accident one day. Oh. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Why haven't I been getting these over truffles? 
Um, just a recommendation. Now I'm going to have to try some bonbons. Uh, well, that's why I was trying to and get them for you. And the bag is so cute, too. It's a handmade Kara bag. Yes, I did do the bag. It's adorable. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Happy birthday. Big old four five. Yeah. You're finally my age. I know. I'm finally catching up. Would you like to know? Well, you know what you're playing for. I do. This week. Yeah, because you failed last oh, week. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, I did fail last week. I got to win these because fall, we're going to be in winter. Well, you know, you just have to save them for next year. Oh, true. So your question this week is. Which of my searches resulted from my viewing of a history video on YouTube, and it comes from the old French meaning horse soldiery? Horse soldiery. All right. I'm going with origin of the word chivalry. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (gasps) Give them to me, fall decor. So the old French is chevalier, and it was largely largely associated with nobility and knights because they were the only ones rich enough to be able to fight wars on horseback. Oh. According to History.com, chivalry was established to keep thuggish men in check in the medieval period. Mm-hmm. It set ground rules for knightly behavior in a time when knights were, quite frankly, out of control. Oh, interesting. They were basically just hired thugs who were heavily armed and prone to violence. <laughs> That's what made them good at their jobs. Okay. So the church and the nobility developed a code that somehow stuck. And knights began to really identify with this concept of honor. And they took pride in being more chivalrous and honorable. However, that behavior only extended to the nobility and the upper classes. They were still assholes to the common people, which is why they would go into villages when they were fighting. They'd rape and pillage. But their knightly behavior was for fancy times. Our modern idea of chivalry, you know, the patriarchal notion of how masculine, honorable men should treat women, that's an invention of romantic literature featuring knights in shining armor. But knights in romantic literature are not like knights at all. That's so interesting. Not like real knights. Mm. I didn't know all this. Mm-hmm. What made you look this up? I was watching a video um, on History Hit on YouTube, and it's this history professor. I can't think of her name right now, but she's hilarious, and she's um, a medieval expert. And she was talking about the different classes in medieval times. Okay. And she was talking about knights, and she mentioned chivalry, but it it was real short, what she mentioned, and so I wanted to know more about it. So my sources were History.com, History Hit, and Wikipedia. Very cool. That's a good search. It was fun. Well, would you like to share some history with each other? I would love to have some shared history. Okay, let's talk about the other searches that we did this week. You go first. One night, I was super bored. And I got on the library website Mm -hmm. with my Kindle And I thought I would download some magazines. Mm -hmm. And it threw up, it was like, oh, you would probably like Reader's Digest. And I said, oh, library. I'm not into Reader's Digest. But then I got really curious about (laughs) what 
Yeah, what is Reader's Digest <gasps> writing about these days? I'm telling you what. What? I love Reader's Digest, and I always have. It was amazing. Laughter is the best medicine. Oh, my gosh. I loved laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> I opened it up, and I read the digital version of this magazine. And there was an article about Ken Burns' latest documentary, which is called The American Buffalo. And I was like, dang it, I love Ken Burns. Darn you, RD. I love me some Ken Burns. So it's on PBS, and it is currently able to be streamed online. So if you have, um, what is it that you have? The PBS Passport. Passport. You can see it through Passport. I think you actually can just see it on regular PBS right it's now. it's still current enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then you can also just watch it online on PBS.org. I'm going to have to watch this. It's only two episodes, and each episode is two hours. So not your typical Ken Burns documentary. It's a quick one. But still, that's four hours of content. It is four hours. About and Buffalo. He also has a making of documentary about the documentary. Oh, my. In true Ken Burns fashion. Okay, all right. This documentary covers the sacred relationship between the Buffalo and the Native Americans, mm -hmm. their history, the lore of the Buffalo, and the people that saved them from near extinction. Um, I got a little, a couple of facts here about the buffalo. All right. And then I've got a buffalo story. Oh, great. Okay. All right. The North American buffalo, it used to number in the tens of millions like we all know. Mm -hmm. And it roamed from the Idaho Rockies all the way to the Florida Flats. Holy crap. I know. Today, there are only about 350,000 North American buffalo remaining, and most of them are descendants of just 77 animals that were protected at the beginning of the 20th century. <laughs> I got my information, of course, from Reader's Digest yes. and PBS.org. Oh, okay. So um, when we lived in Kentucky, we would camp at a place called Big Bone Lick State Park. Mm-hmm. And it was called that because in prehistoric times there were salt licks. And so they have found mammoth fossils and things like that there. Big bones um, because they used to come there and lick the salt licks. Mm -hmm. The owner of the park, my mom worked at the park sometimes. And the owner of the park one time was like, hey, come on down here. I just got some new buffalo. I'm I'm starting this thing where... We're going to have buffalo here. And the um, symbol of the park, if you go online and look or whatever, it's a buffalo. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Cool. So we went down there and we met Frank the buffalo. It was great. And, and Frank was really cool. But then he introduced a female buffalo and Frank and the female buffalo, who didn't have a name because why would she? Um, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> I don't remember the name of the female. Um, they had a baby. Okay. Oh. Well, then, and the baby buffalo was super duper cute. I bet. Okay, so fast forward, like, I don't know, a couple seasons, and Frank died. Oh, no. We were down there looking at the buffalo, and mom and my mom and dad were there, and they were like, oh, it's so sad that Frank died. And I was maybe hmm, 11 or 12. And he said, oh, well, here's the thing, though. You can still see part of Frank. And he opened up this 50-gallon barrel, and Frank's head was in the barrel being eaten by maggots. What? And he was basically waiting for Frank's head to rot and all the skin to come off of it and fall off of it. And he was going to keep the skull. The skull. 
Did he know he could take that to, like, a taxidermist? Right. The smell care. I can still smell why, it. Why Why would he show you that? Oh, my gosh. Scarred for life. And my dad was like, whoa. <laughs> my dad was so pissed off. Well, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, uh, my gosh. Anyway, so that's my buffalo story. <laughs> so a little, one of my searches has to do with barrels. <laughs> what? I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. So moving on. Yes. Wow. My first search that I want to talk about kind of relates to what you were just talking about. Okay. Because it has to do with Native Americans mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, diaspora. Okay. This originated from my reading of Killers of the Flower Moon. And it sounds like an agriculture agricultural term Uh like spores and diaspora but it actually means a large group of people living away from their traditional homeland but it comes from the ancient greek meaning to sow over so a large group of people living away from their traditional homeland you know like how we moved the native americans around like pawns on a chessboard Hmm. and then still tried to cheat them out of whatever wealth and success they managed to cobble together Mm -hmm. where we placed them Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. It's also often used in reference to the Jewish people, particularly the dispersion of them after the Babylonian exile and after World War II, the Irish people after the Great Potato Famine, and so many more. There are so many diaspora. Like anytime you've had exiles or... um, uh, refugees or anything like that, then they become a diaspora who migrate to different places to set up a new home. Mm-hmm. There's a bajillion of them, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because I'm starting to think the human species has a real problem. We are all just psychopaths looking for our next victims. <laughs> so instead of like to sew over, maybe the modern etymology should be to screw over. <laughs> Because that's kind of like Mm -hmm. what it is. But anyway, they mentioned the Native American diaspora in Killers of the Flower Moon Mm -hmm. and how they had put them onto these lands in Osage County, the Osage Indians in particular, and discovered oil. This is not like a spoiler or anything, but discovered oil under those lands. And then the Native Americans were living on them and they were like, hey, yeah, it's ours because you put us here. And now we live on this. You want us to be assimilated and capitalists and everything? Great. Then we own the oil that's under this land. Right. Because we live on it. This is where you put us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the white people were like, hmm, we don't like that. (laughs) How far are you into that book? I'm about halfway through. Okay. It's kind of slow going. It is. I mean, not because it's boring, but just because it's long. It's a, yeah, it's a... There's a lot of detail. It's it's a ton of detail. And then I keep, like, I'll notice myself getting distracted and I have to go back and reread what mm-hmm. I'm reading. Because then I'm like, I wonder who Leonardo DiCaprio plays in this book. <laughs> in the movie, I mean. What character does he play? He plays Molly's husband. Ernest. Ernest, okay. yes. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great book. It really is. Makes you mad at white people. It really does. My sources were Wikipedia. Britannica, National Geographic Society, Dictionary.com. Nice. So my next search actually has to do with the barrels. I was trying to make some shredded pork for a family member this week, 
And I was trying to decide between using a pork butt or a picnic cut, mm-hmm. um, which are both a part of the pig's shoulder. And um, the pork butt is not from the pig's butt. Really? And so I wanted to know why it was called a pork butt. I always just assumed it was like a rump roast. Like, Mm-mm. tell me more, butcher Kara. All right. So the actual butt of the pig mm-hmm. is the ham. Um, blah, blah, blah. So why do they call it pork butt? Okay. That was what I searched. Nobody knows. What? Okay. So the magazine that I think you and I both had a subscription to way back when called Mental Floss. I loved it. (laughs) They say, let me back up. Mm -hmm. The pork butt is also referred to as a Boston butt, which I personally have never heard that. Mm. I've heard pork butt. Right. So then I came across this um, term, Boston butt. And so Mental Floss says, in colonial times, New England butchers packed less prized cuts of pork into barrels for shipping. Kind of like your buffalo head. Um, the barrels were known as butts. Okay. Here's a direct quote from Mental Floss. This particular shoulder cut became known around the country as a New England specialty, and hence it became known as the Boston butt. Now, Southern Living Magazine takes umbrage (laughs) with that story. Okay. They said based on the location of pork trades during the 18th century and lack of evidence of the term Boston butt during the colonial era, they think that that story is bunk. Okay. And it's all over the internet. That particular story that they packed these pork butts these this shoulder cut right. into these barrels to be shipped. Uh-huh. It's all over the internet. That's just been it's, that's settled now. Yeah, like like it doesn't matter if it's true or not. This is the this is the legend. Yes, exactly. Okay, uh, but Southern Living says Mm-mm. now Wikipedia says that the Boston butt is so named because it's the wider end of the front of the shoulder and butt is an old English term for wide end, like the butt of a gun. <laughs> I'm calling BS on that. And I think that entire <laughs> story, I couldn't replicate that information anywhere. Okay. I searched the internet from beginning to end. Okay. That story is, I don't buy it. So then I did a little more searching on Wikipedia and found that someone had entered... The word butt is an obsolete English measurement of liquid volume equaling two hogsheads. <laughs> Britannica.com had no reference to the Boston butt or even a pork butt. Merriam-Webster says the true origin of this term is now obscure. They also said that the first known use of Boston butt was in 1915. Not colonial times. That's way past colonial times. Yeah. Okay. So I have not found any definitive answer for why is a pork butt called a pork butt. Well, what what did you decide to use? The picnic. The picnic. What's it? What was it called again? The, the picnic roast. So oh. like the pork butt is the top part of the shoulder. Okay. And then about halfway down, it turns into a different cut called the picnic cut, which I guess... 
I saw somewhere that it's called a picnic cut because it was a cheaper cut. Is it fattier? Mm, I don't remember. Is it tenderer? Uh, the way I cooked it, no. Oh, shoot. I messed it up. It's not good. I was going to cook it in the crock pot. Oh. Like I always do. I always do a pork roast in the crock pot. Yeah. But the instructions on it actually said to put it in the oven, 275 for an hour per pound. So I did that. Oh, my God. That thing is shoe leather. Oh, no. Absolute shoe leather. Oh. Maybe if you drowned it in barbecue sauce and let the acids work on it for a few days, it might be a little bit better. But, ugh. Oh, no. Basically ruined. That stinks because meat is not cheap. Even cheap cuts of meat are not Mm -mm. cheap. Well, that was illuminating, but not illuminating. I know. At so the same time, one of those frustrating searches. Yes. Okay. My next search is original criminologist slash Bertianage. Mm. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Okay. It's wee wee ha ha. Um, <laughs> criminology.com, because there's a dot com for everything. <laughs> um, they credit Cesare Beccaria and Jeremy Bentham as the fathers of modern criminology, which began in Europe between the late 1700s and early 1800s. So I found a list of 10 important criminologists according to Edology, and they said Cesare Beccaria and Jeremy Bentham were number one and two. Cesare Lombroso, I guess you have to be a Cesare, Oh, my gosh. In uh, Italy, to be a criminologist. He said that criminals were born, not made. That was his contribution to criminology. Okay. Alexandre Le Cassagne. <laughs> he is French. Who thought the opposite of Lombroso and said that criminology was learned. Enrico Ferry, a student of Lombroso, who said that it's better to prevent criminal behavior by improving social and economic factors in society. Imagine that. I can't believe it. Hans Eisenck, who fled Nazi Germany and developed theories on behavioral therapy and the relationship between personality and intelligence as they contributed to criminology. So he had some um, experience with some psychopaths Uh, in Nazi Germany. Gosh. Robert Hare, a criminal psychologist who developed a 20-item checklist to measure whether a person person is a psychopath. Oh. Ooh. Take that quiz. I don't want to. (laughs) I kind of (laughs) do. I want to see how much of a psychopath I am. (sighs) Jane Addam, finally a woman, the second woman recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, Hmm. who was known as the mother of social work. And studied how society and poverty influence crime. Edwin Sutherland, who coined the term white-collar criminal. Oh. And believed that delinquency is learned. William Julius, who studies racial factors and how poverty among black communities influences different crime rates. So a lot of these people that they said were the, you know, 10 most important people in criminology from history to modern day. Most of them are saying, hey, this is a societal problem. Cesare Lombroso guy. He was really the only one who said that it was inborn. You're born a psychopath. And nowadays, we just know that that's not true. That you might have a disposition, a predisposition for it, but it's a learned type of thing. 
and that your environment dictates, not dictates, but your environment plays a part in it a lot. Yeah. The reason I was looking this up was because I fell down a rabbit hole looking up the term Bertillonage. Oh, yes. From Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, Which refers to Alphonse Bertillon's system to accurately identify criminals before there were mug shots. So they used measurements of certain parts of the bony portions of the body, such as the skull width, the foot length, your middle finger length. That's right. I flipped you off. (laughs) And they cataloged those measurements on cards. And then they would classify, they would have different classifications of those cards. And this was in Paris. So that you could easily find, like, if you're looking for a certain suspect or you're looking for somebody who already has a criminal record and they come through again, you can pull up their card, like, within 20 cards because it's it was so detailed. They would have subcategories and subcategories and subcategories. And it was, like, um, tall, medium, short. They had them... Mm. classified that way based on their measurements and then they would have them subclassified by hair color eye color oh my goodness all these different things um so when a person was arrested they were measured and compared to the cards already in the system and then if a match was discovered the new offense was recorded on the card so they kept adding to their information that was your criminal record and then that way if there was a crime ever committed And they had certain forensic evidence, such as like a footprint or a a handprint. I don't think they had fingerprints yet when they when he did this and they didn't do mug shots because they didn't have cameras. And so they could but they could measure like, oh, this person's middle finger on this handprint was X centimeters long and this person's footprint was this long. And mm -hmm, Mm. mm -hmm. very interesting. But they were using that. Bertillonage, or they probably called it Bertillonage system <laughs> in Osage County during that whole episode oh, of all those Osage Indians I don't being. That. They mentioned taking the guy's um, ear measurements, which that wouldn't work very well because your ears your are always ears growing, grow. your nose is always growing. Yes, so you would have to you'd have to use body parts. Of course, Americans fucked it up somehow (laughs) oh we'll take this idea this is a great idea hey let's start measuring things that change how about your waist circumference uh how about your ear length how about your nose (laughs) but anyway you're supposed to measure parts of the body that don't change my sources were new york state division of criminal justice services criminology.com and edology that was so interesting Mm mm-hmm um I'm going to talk about what is a blue iceberg. I'm ready. This came from playing a logic puzzle. And at the end, it threw up this like fast fact. And it was like, uh, did you know that blue icebergs are super rare and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? That's not true. Blue ice. I've seen pictures of blue icebergs. And I'm guessing after all the research I did, they were meaning that, like, an ultra-electric blue iceberg okay. is super rare. Okay. So it normally looks white, an iceberg does, because on the surface, 
um, the surface contains a lot of air bubbles because of all the snow. When heavy snow accumulates on an iceberg, it compresses and compresses and compresses the ice. Mm -hmm. And so it's squeezing out air bubbles in the ice. Once you get these air bubbles removed or super duper condensed, they're absorbing the longer wavelengths of light, like the reds and the yellows, but they're still reflecting the short wavelengths, which are the blues and the greens. Okay. And so that's why when we look at icebergs that are older or have been under this compacting snow for months and months, they have a tendency to look more blue or green to us. Okay. I also found some information that algae can grow on the bottom of icebergs. That makes sense. And so that can make them look green. And so sometimes they form like these stripes on the underside of icebergs. I don't I didn't do a whole lot of algae searching here. But then when the iceberg flips over, you'll have these beautiful stripes of green on these icebergs that are just I I looked up some pictures of them. They're cool. Interesting. So that can also make them look more green than they actually are because of the algae. Um the older the iceberg, the more vivid the color will be. One of the better known blue icebergs is located off the Sermilic Fjord near Greenland. It is described as electric blue, and it is called the blue diamond by locals. That sounds pretty rare. I looked up a picture of it. Y'all should look up a picture of it. I this. wonder how old it is. I don't know. But it said, no, no, I do know. I read this. It's super old. It's like very old. You should look up a picture of this. This is kind of like, so I thought of Peyton when yeah, I was yeah. looking all of this up, because I thought he probably already knows he probably does. about this iceberg in Greenland. So I don't really believe that iceberg, blue icebergs are that rare, but I'm guessing like this one in the Sermilic Fjord mm-hmm. is probably what they're talking about, is this crazy electric blue color. Right. Icebergs that are so, like so, that. so, so old. Mm-hmm. Interesting. My information came from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the U.S. National Ice Center. The Guardian, and Vintage is the New Old, which is a website, and it had a very cool two-minute video about iceberg colors. Okay, but that was just the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't resist. Sorry. My next search is pareidolia. Okay. This is a brain phenomenon in which a person sees or hears something recognizable in a random image or pattern. In this case, I was interested in the tendency to see faces in inanimate objects. Ooh, yeah. The human brain is very good at face recognition, for the most part, uh-huh. unless you have face blindness, which I'll talk about in a second. Okay. But we see faces in everything. Really? And it is an evolutionary survival type skill. Okay. So the reason why you might look at something and say, oh, that looks like a funny face or the way windows are positioned on a building or um, Jesus and burnt toast or (laughs) (laughs) there's lots of Jesus and burnt toast. Um, But it's a matter of life and death in its basic form because face recognition is about 
is this person a good person or a bad person? Are they a friend? Someone who's known to me? Are they a foe? Are they a stranger? Are they a family member? And it's all about recognizing faces. Okay. So our brain does this so quickly that it sometimes gets it wrong and sees faces where there aren't faces. Because it's so used to trying to see faces. Oh my gosh. Everywhere. So that's why we see faces in inanimate objects like Jesus in the burnt toast or the shocked man in the light socket. You know, like yeah. sockets always look like like little men. <laughs> see? Right. There he is. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> And I didn't look this up, but I saw that there was a study that most faces we see with pareidolia are male for some reason. Oh. We classify them as male. Like I just said, the shocked yeah. man. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's just a patriarchal society thing. But anyway. Yeah, it could be. Um, we also take social cues from faces. Is the person we're with happy, sad, annoyed, disinterested? Mm-hmm. Most people... Unless you are like autistic or you have face blindness or something like that. We're really good at gauging how somebody's feeling by looking at their face, unless you have a really good poker face. We tend to assign emotions to the faces that we see in inanimate objects, too. So like I said here, he's shocked or scared. Uh-huh. You know, the man in the in the light socket, he's like we... It's not just that we're seeing a face. We also say, oh, he's happy or, oh, look at that sad. You're assigning an mm-hmm. emotion to it. Mm-hmm. Look at that sad house. Interesting. Um, now, related is the inability to recognize faces, and that's called prosopagnosia. Mm-hmm. And it's also called face blindness. That's when people have a really hard time, especially with strangers. Sometimes they're a little bit better with people they know because their brain has processed that face enough times. Mm -hmm. But some people really, all faces look the same to them. Did you know Alan Alda has that? Have I talked about this with you? We have talked about that. Okay. Yes, we talked about it in the car on the way to South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He didn't recognize his daughter a few times because she changed her hair. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I think he said one time she had a ball cap on. And so it messed with his remembering of what she looks like. The pattern that his brain has said, this is your daughter's face. Mm -hmm. Right. So, which I just think that that's just wild to me. Yes. Can you even imagine what that must be like? I think about that all the time. And I think, I don't know how you even function. Mm -mm. I don't either. Anyway. Other people, famous people, who have reported this disorder are Springfield's Brad Pitt. Oh, you're kidding. Not kidding. Jane Goodall. (laughs) Okay. Steve Wozniak. Oh. The other Steve from Apple. The great and powerful Woz. The Woz. And Stephen Fry. (gasps) Oh, I love Stephen Fry. British actor slash... Author slash comedian. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. My sources were Live Science, Wired, National Institute of Neurological Disorders, and Stroke. I love Wired. (laughs) Me too. But I just thought that was really interesting. I was watching a weird history video, um, oh, which should have been one of my sources, where they talked about um, seeing faces in in inanimate objects. My next search is, why do squirrels flick their tails so much? I know a lot of people hate squirrels. And they can be a super 
terrible nuisance. I mean, they can tear stuff up. Yeah, they can be pests. Yes. But I really love squirrels. <laughs> I think they're adorable and super entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I could watch a squirrel or a family of squirrels for a really long time because mm-hmm. they're so cute and they just play. Um, in fact, that's what brought about this search is I was watching a squirrel and he was like a statue. This was the stillest squirrel I ever saw. But his tail was going to town. I mean, it was just, it was like comical. It was moving so much. And I thought, that squirrel's having a stroke or something. This is weird. So I knew, I mean, everybody knows the squirrels use them for like balance, like when they're jumping and stuff like that. But the main use of a squirrel's tail is communicating with other squirrels. So he was like doing sign language? I think so. Like, I got to be still because there's danger here, but I want to signify to my squirrel friends not to come out here. Yes. (laughs) So where he was, I know that a couple of cats live nearby. I'm wondering if a cat hadn't like tried to sneak up on him and he became a statue because he was like, "Mm, there's Felix. Yep. They also use them for three main reasons. So I search squirrels multiple sites and I all these sites agreed on the three main reasons the squirrels flick their tails. Number one is the communication. Number two is alarmed responses. Number three is mating season. Oh, gosh, yes. So during mating season, a male squirrel will shake, tremble, and shiver its tail. And the purpose of that is to ask the female if it's okay for him to approach. It's like, hey, I'm ready. How about you? I'm single and ready to mingle. <laughs> I'm shimmying my tail over here. <laughs> Alarmed responses. Um, it has specific tail flicks. So if it's mad mm-hmm. or if it's startled or panicked, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it has specific tail flicks. It will also t- tell other squirrels of prey in the area. That's part of the communication. How the hell? I don't know. Do they know this? Well, and there was... One of the websites that I was looking at, it was, um, well, two of the websites I was looking at, they're like pest control websites. Okay. And they said if you study squirrels long enough, you can start to figure out what their tail movements actually mean. Now, to the third one, the communication. I left this one to last because they said it's so important. Um, But they'll send warnings about predators nearby or stay away from my food. Right. I spent a long time gathering this. Uh Or stay away from my babies mm-hmm. or hey i would like to play mm. or i am so happy right now Aww. i just wanted to tell you oh happy happy squirrel tailing so yeah squirrels have to tell each other they're happy I did guess. they ask squirrels this <laughs> the researchers i think there's some dude sitting out there watching squirrels for In central park probably a long time hmm. uh fast fact Squirrels also use their tails to shunt heat from their body. Sometimes I think that we just assign too many human characteristics and emotions and things to animals. I don't know. I mean, if you watch squirrels very long, you know they're talking to each other. Right, but they're doing that with their, like, they chirp and they do... What do they, they bark, squirrels bark. But why would they have crazy tails like that? Don't you think those tails are full of bugs? (laughs) 
I always no. just thought that the tails were no. buggy and the bugs are biting the tail and they're that they're twitching. Is an incredibly interesting thought that you have. No, it's never ever and maybe that's because I grew up with squirrels. I mean, we had a lot of squirrels around and we they, hunted have, squirrels. They've got to have fleas and lice and all kinds of stuff. I don't think so. I mean, they probably do. And they're itchy. But I don't think it's probably, they're not just big old flea bags. Look, we've skinned squirrels before. And we you had haven't squirrel found, tails. You haven't found fleas. Okay. I just think that there are other verbal ways for them to communicate. But you can't if there's prey in the area, because then you're just announcing yourself. And if the prey maybe can't see you or maybe That's can't see why as well. Get up on their hind legs and they use sign language. Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> I didn't find that. <laughs> I do think that they're communicating with their tails. Okay. But I don't know. Um, I guess you could you could create or simulate certain situations. I guess, with squirrels, and then study their reactions, mm -hmm. I guess. And then if you did that long enough, you could see a pattern. Mm -hmm. It's just always interesting to me when, when we assign things and meanings to what animals do, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's what's happening. Well, I got my information from Skedaddle Humane Wildlife Control, AnimalRemover.com, and the Missouri Conservation Department. Okay, well... I am not going to argue with any of those people. I'm sure they know a lot more than I do. <laughs> My last search is the Amazing Digital Circus yes. slash Jax. It's that time of year where I tell my family, send me Christmas yes. gift ideas. Mm -hmm. Don't make me go blind because then you'll, you'll get socks and underwear mm -hmm. for Christmas. Yeah. And nobody seems to like that. <laughs> So Jackie sent me a link to some Christmas gift ideas, and one of them featured a character named Jax from a show called The Amazing Digital Circus, and it looked cuckoo bananas. <laughs> so according to IMDb, the short synopsis of this show, which there's only been one episode so far. Oh, okay. It's animated. Yeah. A woman gets trapped in a crazy virtual world along with five other humans and they are now subject to the whims of wacky AI and their own personal traumas, which sounds terrifying. Yeah, that sounds a little stressful. And stressful. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, I don't think that'd be a show I would watch. And even though it's animated, it's not for little kids. Mm -hmm. They say preteens, teens are the youngest that should probably watch this show. Is this like an anime? Is it Japanese? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. It's kind of like... Um, you know Five Nights at Freddy's? Yes. Okay. It reminds me of that a little bit, except it's not animatronic or claymation or stop motion. It's more traditional animation. Okay. But it's just really disturbing cartooniness. So Jax is a rabbit who's kind of mischievous. They said it, it was kind of inspired by Bugs Bunny. So he's a modern take on Bugs Bunny. And it's voiced by Michael Kovach. 
And it's getting rave reviews from viewers and critics. Yeah. That's Jax? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just think it's another one of those fandoms like Five Nights at Freddy's that I'm just too something old, maybe. <laughs> it's not even really old. It's just, I just don't get it. Yeah. It's just not my thing. So okay. she wanted some merchandise based on that show. Okay. My source was IMDb for this. I did not go deep into this. I was just like, what the heck are these things? That's it. Okay. That's all I got. Well, but what about this one? All right. These are the searches that did not make the cut this week. Mm-hmm. But I still searched them. Lay it on me. Five Chinese Brothers Children's Book by Claire Bishop, 1938. Linda Ronstadt Sinking Mariachi. Suzanne Summers' death. Did you know she died? No. It was in October. What? It was while it was while we were in uh, South Carolina. Really? Yep. She was seventy six. We didn't get a Suzanne so- Summers death day. Nope, we Notice. did not. Uh, best cheese for grilled cheese sandwiches, like the best melting cheese. Oh, what what was it? Well, you know what? It was actually cheddar, but it also said Gouda is an excellent cheese for melting things. So. I think next time I'm going to do a mix of Gouda and cheddar. I like Havarti. Oh, oh, Havarti was one of them. Yeah. I love Havarti cheese. If you mix cheddar and Havarti, that is the best grilled cheese you will ever have. Yum. Because it is so creamy. We make sliders sometimes for football, and it's ham and Havarti sandwiches. Oh, my god! And you put them on King Hawaiian rolls. And then you put butter on top of them, and then you sprinkle like um, just a mixture of some seasonings. Oh, my gosh. I may do that. Oh, it's a bye week. It is a bye week. We don't have any Chiefs tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. All right. Speaking of the Chiefs, my next search um, under what about this one is Kansas City Chiefs men's overalls. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I've got to have a pair. (laughs) I have to have a pair. The Shans are on the way. Oh, my gosh. They're in the mail. I can't. can't Oh, I saw those in Germany, and I was like, well. I need those That's, in my life. Yep. We said the same thing. I looked them up. They were on sale, and now Sean is going to be the proud owner of a new pair. Sweet. NFL Network Price slash YouTube TV Price. I'm having trouble with Fubo. Yeah. You're not getting your Green Bay games. Um, the Gunpowder Treason. What does TNT stand for? Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> That answer is incorrect. <laughs> oh, I was singing ACDC. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Singer Sam Cook, Honda Financial Services, and The Guardian photographs of Halloween costumes seen in the New York subways. Oh, my gosh. It was the most amazing set of photographs. People in New York... They know how to dress up for Halloween. I bet. I bet that was great. It was really good. All right. My what about this one searches? Tempura batter recipe. Ooh, did you do that? No, I just wanted to know what it was made of. Okay. (laughs) Artist of What Is Love, the song. Do you know? (laughs) Do you know who it is? Tell me the first letter. H. Oh, no. Hadaway. Oh, shit. No, I would have never come up with that. Hertz Donuts. 
We got donuts for the 8 a.m. Chiefs game. <sighs> nice. And caduceus. Oh, yeah. Do you know what that is? Yeah, that's the medical symbol with yes. the snakes around it. Mm-hmm. Who says that you don't learn things playing video games? Because I had to look that up because I was playing June's Journey and it asked me to find a caduceus. Oh, yes. And I was like, I have no effing idea what that is. So I just started clicking around because, you know, I didn't have time to look it up while oh, I'm playing. Right. So I just started clicking around. <laughs> Did you find it? No, I had to use a clue. Oh, no. Because I had no idea. And then I looked it up. Do you have any shout outs? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, so I put out a call on Instagram last night saying, hey, y'all, we're going to record in the morning. Tell us what searches you have. You're so smart. And I heard from, we heard from uh, Ski with Alex. Alex J. You're Alex. Um, Ski with Alex searched. Mm-hmm. And thanks a lot, Alex. Because I've got an earworm now. Oh, great. You're going to have what is love in your head, too. Edmund Fitzgerald. This, you know, the ship, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, the Edmund well, Fitzgerald. Well, Gordon Lightfoot saying, the, you know, the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald, the sinking. <laughs> you have not heard this song. I probably have, but not well, not enough times or not well enough for it to become an earworm. Thank well, God. I sent her, I told her I've been not, doing nothing but humming that since oh, I gosh. saw it last night. And so she said that yesterday was the anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's just why she looked it up. She's smart. I She's know. one of those smart people. Um. So then let's see. She also searched amber versus green versus silver alert. Oh, yes. Book outlet and kudos bar discontinued. It sounds like she might have some sadness in her life. Oh, no. Because there's a kudos bar that maybe not is, a, is not around anymore. I used to love kudos bar, but I haven't had a kudos bar. Have you ever had one? Long. Like in the 90s. Yeah. I, that's probably the last time I had one. Maybe she was looking up. Maybe they're not around. Maybe she was looking up when they were discontinued. Oh, maybe. But then she also contacted us later today, actually during our podcast. Oh, while, we, while we've been podcasting? Yes. Oh. She left out Michigan sign stealing. <laughs> um, and she said, P.S. I went to high school with Connor Stallions. I think I'm too old to know who that is. I don't is. know what that means. And then today, I'm searching every flavor of Pop-Tart and arguing arguing Pop-Tart versus toaster strudels with Ethan. Oh, her husband. Yeah. Last night was homemade <laughs> chocolate mug cake because I couldn't go one more minute without a chocolate cake. Oh, my gosh. I love mug cake. I've never had one before. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. So those were from Ski with Alex. Okay. Alex J. Okay, did anyone else send you Yeah, anything? I've got three more. Okay, go. I'll be quick. Hopper, Warhammer pieces, oh Lu- Luchasaurus dino mammal. <laughs> she may be doing some Christmas shopping like you are. That or she ate a gummy. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up Luchasaurus. It's a dude. <laughs> Professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. No judging, Hopper. Face burning sensation, average price of rural acreage in mid Missouri, and Stranger Things season five release date. Mm-hmm. 
Martha D. Valeria socks, in parentheses, to replace the socks delivered that the dogs got from the porch and turned into a tug of war and destroyed. <laughs> How to pronounce abeyance. Baylor JBU basketball game. Big Brother spoilers. Oh, no. Blister in the Sun lyrics because of our podcasting. Oh, my goodness. Um, and then she texted me this morning and it just said, can you jumpstart a car if the starter is bad? <laughs> and I responded. I was like, yeah, because you're jumpstarting the battery, not the starter. And she's like, nope. Add that to my searches because it's been a morning. Oh, no. <laughs> Then last night I was asking Sean, I said, you never tell me what you search. Yes. And he goes, well, I can tell you, but it's boring. So we found out that Sean is a three-trick pony, and he really only searches three things in his personal time. Really? At work, it is the most boring technology searches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My work searches are... Yeah, mine are too. (sighs) Totally. So when Sean is... Searching personal stuff. It is Wordle. Because <laughs> he got to do his daily Wordle. Yeah. Uh, Sudoku. Does a daily Sudoku puzzle. And then about a thousand pages of real estate searches. Because he's looking for land for Doesn't us to buy. Does have Wordle and Sudoku like bookmarked? Mm-mm. Why? He just always looks them up. And these are his searches every day. We think he may be on the spectrum because... I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, he does read so much news, but yeah. he has news apps, so he doesn't have to search that Correct. stuff. And th- I mean, that's really the majority of what he does is read news mm-hmm. and articles and things. And his Google is incognito mode. Oh. Those searches that he gave me were from his Kindle. What is he hiding? He's like, Peyton, it's all redacted. <laughs> Peyton sent me a redacted list. <laughs> what is his list? Peyton's list this week is... 2,500 kilometers in miles. Largest gold nugget ever found. I wanted to reply, up your butt. (laughs) Because I'm seven. (laughs) Who won Miss Universe 2023? Okay. How old are the Odessa catacombs? And what qualifies as a catacomb? He is... I'd like to live in his head for a while. He is a riddle wrapped in an enigma. Yeah, he is. Okay, and we have one more shout out. Let's hear it. Listener Lions fan Matt. Oh, yeah, Matt. He went out of his way to message me this week. He said, we're hilarious. And he loved our reference to, I got a gal in Kalamazoo. (laughs) Because he's from Kalamazoo. And his grandmother used to sing that song. And so our talking about it brought back great memories of... Quote, this brilliant woman shaking her finger in the air as she danced in the kitchen singing the song. Aww. She did not know the song was not public domain. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him I think it was okay because she wasn't making money off it. Oh, my Unless gosh. she was shaking her moneymaker. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love that song. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cute story. That is so sweet. Well, thanks for sharing, Matt. And thank you to everybody who shared their searches. And engaged with us and rated and reviewed us this week. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't yet, do it. Yeah. Email us. Please, please, please. Delete this history podcast at Mm gmail.com. Or go look us up on Instagram and Twitter at DTH Gals Mm -hmm. or delete this history on Facebook. Yeah. Kara. 
Yeah, Bria. We have talked so long. Oh, this one's been long. Yeah, so now I just have to really go and delete my history. Good idea. I'll do that too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Delete This History is created, written, hosted, produced, and edited by Bria Brown and Kara Birch. Theme music is So Good by Orcas. Email us at deletethishistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at DTHGals. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Delicious beers provided by Low Tide Brewing. Mm-hmm.